Welcome to the Haunted Hacker podcast. Uh, this is the first episode in quite a while, probably a couple months at least. Um, I've taken some time off to, to do me for a while, um, but I'm glad to be back. And I couldn't think of a better way to uh, kick it off than with my buddy, uh, Max Justice. Max, for those of those of the people listening that don't know who you are, who haven't heard this podcast before, give us a quick rundown of who you are and what you do and, and you know, just who Max is. Sure. Thanks, Mike. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, very thankful and uh, humbled every time I get asked to come back. Uh, and uh, I, I'm actually really glad you're back. Uh, it's such a pleasure, pleasure to see you again. Uh, so my name is Max Justice, a.k.a. The Cyber Farmer. Uh, I call myself The Cyber Farmer because this is my farm. And uh, I am actually putting a lot of technology into my farm. And uh, in agriculture, we don't take cybersecurity uh, important. We don't make it important enough. And uh, I'm here to educate all the other farmers, uh, even the Mennonite that I'm working with, to help them secure their technology and their infrastructure. Very cool. Almost didn't unmute myself for a second. Um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a while, and and we've we've had a couple of podcasts that, that we've talked about everything from mushroom farming to alien life forms to AI to all kinds of great stuff. Um, but what I found what I found really cool is the stuff we talked about previously that's come to fruition since we've spoke, like the whole Chat GPT and and all the things that have occurred since then with Chat GPT. It's really cool to see that stuff come out of a conversation to like fruition. Right. Uh, and uh, I'm, I keep reminding people that we live in a, a time when things are changing so quickly that we actually need to be aware uh, of not just the people directly around us, but the people all over this planet. Um, and uh, I, for one, you um, back in your days when you were uh, working in three-letter agencies, you ever come across uh, Peter Zahan? He's a geopolitical strategist. Uh, yes, I've come across some of his papers. Oh, yeah. And, well, he's put out a few books now. Uh, and his current one, it's phenomenal and if you want to talk about a guy who can really predict the future kind of thing it peter zahan i highly encourage you to to listen to it his book is called uh the end of the world is near and it's not as bad as we know it uh it's really phenomenal because it takes into account the entire world and the the political strife turmoil application, anxiety, and everything else around politics, he takes that into account. And really, we have to take that into account, especially in cybersecurity. But I, I tell people, even as a mushroom farmer, I listen to this guy because there's a couple of things that's really uh, helped me understand that mushroom farming is the way to go and we need more mushroom farmers. Right. Uh, and one of the reasons why is China. And you've probably been aware of what's all going on with China. And it, it, they're imploding. And 
even though there's a lot of uh, bickering on the news about China, 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 they had 30 or almost four decades of one child policy. Right. Then come to find out just a few months ago, this year, they announced that, uh oh, we overcounted our, our population by 100 million. Right. And most of it was women. So, and then all of this one child policy that they had, well, Chinese uh, men want more men. Right. So they aborted a whole bunch of women. So they already had that going against them as well. Then they un- overcount or undercounted. It's a mess. Uh, you know, Apple, if you, they're pulling out. If uh, anybody that wants an Apple iPhone, you better get it now because six months from now, you're going to have a hard time getting it. Exactly. Uh, and, uh, but back to uh, mushroom farming, 80% of the world's popular, uh, uh, 80% of the world's mushrooms come mm. from China. Well, really? yeah. Wow. And with deglobalization, guess what market's going to open up? Right. Uh, and mushroom farming, we're looking at a 9% year-over-year growth for the next decade plus. 9% growth, that's huge. It's crazy. So we need more mushroom farmers. Uh, and so if you look at the U.S. population, uh, there's like what, uh, 385 million, 365 million, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Of that population, only 2% are farmers. And that 2% feeds the other 98%. But of that 2%, 2% of them are mushroom farmers. Right. So it's a really small community. In fact, uh, just up, not too far, uh, yeah, it's about two and a half, three hour drive away, Kennedy mm-hmm. Square, Pennsylvania, is the mushroom capital of the US. And over here, uh, I'm in central PA, right on the Mason-Dixon line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, really, there's not a whole lot of competition here. Uh, I do have a couple other people, but like the quality of our mushrooms is so exceptional right. that uh, there was one mushroom farmer, and I hate to say they went out of business because they just they weren't delivering the goods. Uh, and much like in IT and technology, with and I got a lean six signal black belt. Anything go to my LinkedIn profile, see all the other stuff. But that all comes to play in mushroom farming. And we right. are, I'm working with uh, three universities to put AI into uh, my chicken coop and into my mushroom farm. In fact, I just took a whole bunch of pictures today of we have these grow grow blocks. So would you say that you're like the godfather of mushrooming? I kind of like I kind of like the terminology. Uh, there are a couple of goats in this industry that I would easily uh, bow to, uh, but uh, I, I'm I'm probably up in the upper echelon of what we're doing and what we're going to make happen. That's cool. Um, so. We, dude, we just had uh, on, um, uh, what was it, three, it was three weeks ago, we had our grand opening. Mm. 
had a thousand people step foot on my on my farm here. Wow. We, uh, I have um, parking attendants, and they counted 500 vehicles. Um, then uh, everybody had at least two people in a car. Hardly anybody came one per. And in the Mennonite community, well, they come in a van and they come stuffed in a van. In fact, this wow. one family I deal with, first time I met them, they open up doors and out comes one by one. Like, where's the end? I mean, <laughs> they had like 13 of them in there, I think it was. I, it was nuts. But, and that's the way they travel. Right. Uh, so a whole bunch of people were really stuffed in cars. We had enough food to feed 600 people. And my, we had three chefs. They freaking all were out of food in like 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah. And we started serving at four. Uh, and the last chef started serving at five. And by 530, there was no more food. That's it, pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, so next year we're going to make it an annual event because I had a dozen vendors and their question, everybody asked the same question. You're doing this again next year, right? So uh, I, my wife and I said, yeah, definitely. And we started talking to all the vendors that night and everybody was in and we've talked to them multiple times that since they're all in for next year. Like a mushroom festival. Uh, kind of. Um, Pretty cool. And well, this is going to be well, um, the innovation, agriculture innovation fest, <clears throat> because we're innovating farming, not just mushrooms. Um, right. And so I've got uh, artificial intelligence into my chicken coop. I'm working with another, another university to do that. <clears throat> and then um, I'm working with another university, those silos over my head. Mm -hmm. well, I don't call those silos anymore. Those are thermal batteries. ICBMs. <laughs> right. But uh, now these thermal batteries, I'm working with uh, a couple of universities, and uh, those are going to be my heat batteries, heat and cold battery, and it's going to heat and cool all of my barns and my house. That's so awesome. Uh, and uh, I, I got a big compost pile in this barn on the end. Mm -hmm. well, uh, next year, for, for next winter, I'm going to put um, in uh, heat collection, um, I forget what they're called, but uh, it's sleeves of um, steel, basically. Oh, yeah. It's really thin, mm -hmm. but uh, they're like radiators, uh, and they absorb the heat from the compost, which then goes to whatever liquid I put in, and then I'll do uh, radiant floor heating. That's awesome. In my compost. Yeah. So I'm pretty stoked about that one. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, there's so much stuff going on here. Sounds um, like you're, uh, sounds like you're pretty prepared for the, uh, the collapse of the financial industry <laughs> and uh, China to, to invade Taiwan. <laughs> I was just listening to uh, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast earlier um, with Mike Baker. He's a former CIA agent, uh, right. British, British CIA. And it was really funny because he, he was talking about electric cars because Joe Rogan drives a Tesla, right? And this is one thing I didn't think of. Why, why hasn't America really jumped onto the electrical car and, and that whole idea and really pushed it? 
good reason why is because 90% of what goes into those batteries, the minerals and everything else is mined in China. So they have a lockdown pretty much on the processing and the mining of those of those minerals. So I, it was really interesting to hear Mike Baker talk about, you know, the uprising of China and, and what we should be looking at and fearing. And, you know, agriculture was one of them. You know, we, we get a lot of our agriculture and, and food supply from China. So it's, Correct. you know, we've got to start developing our own independence somewhere. And and like we were saying, mushrooms, we get a lot of mushrooms from China. Yeah. I'm going to capitalize on that. And uh, the, the more I learn about mushrooms, mm -hmm. the more similarities I find to humans, as well as more similarities I find to cybersecurity. Um, Hold on here a second. Somebody's uh, trying to call me. Um, sorry about that. So, anyways, the, the similarities between cybersecurity and mushrooms and and farming, it's they're numerous. It's just unreal. Um, and as we put in the IoT of everything mm -hmm. uh, agriculture is going to have to really think about cybersecurity because if they don't it, this technology is going to fail and you and i know darn well that if somebody's built it it will fail right well not only that so, but you look at the risk of of you know you hook up a, a, a an entire food processing plant right and you look at some of the gauges and some of the IoT, like I have friends that, that they have their own greenhouses and they hook everything up to Raspberry Pis and run everything remotely through the internet and everything's watered and light and everything, right? We'll look at that on a larger scale and look at the risk that that poses to, you know, our nation's food supply when you have other people from, you know, foreign actors, malicious actors getting into those large industrial IoT devices that control that food processing. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, and this is what everyone pretty much has to count for and think about in the future because technology is going to be in everything, and we're going to need to have ethical parameters for our AI because right. things for sure there will be a lot of fake. Well, there's going to be an attempt for a lot of fake data, but we already have uh, AI checkers that can look at a document and say, hey, that was written most likely by AI. Right. So I think that will become more inclusive in artificial intelligence as they build, like in Word and so on. Um, the thing I'm, AI, the thing I'm more concerned say, hey. Yeah. And the thing I'm more concerned with, with AI is the, the kind of like the poisoning of AI, right? So like recently we had the problem with you know, chat GPT leaning a little to, you know, a specific side left or right um, in its responses. Mm -hmm. And there's a question about that, you know, who's, who's controlling that? And why is that narrative being controlled? You know, that this is supposed to be artificial intelligence supposed to learn, you know, it shouldn't be learning a biased point of view. Um, but then, you know, we talked in, you know, previous episodes about what happens when AI gets into the wrong hands. And that question actually hit DC and DC is like, wait a minute, we should probably, take a look at AI and, and start a commission on this because, you know, it does have ramifications. It does have power. You know, I've seen it, 
you know, with, with people who are writing code, writing shell code and using chat GPT to write shell code. Um, so, I mean, there, there are things that, that AI is starting to open up for people and we're starting to see some of just the, the tip of the iceberg for that. But already the government's freaking out about, wait a minute, this gets in the wrong hands, quote unquote, they're on somebody's hands other than theirs. There's going to be a problem. And I think that that's, that's what we're going to face is that fight over where does AI belong? Who controls the AI? Um, those are all great questions. Uh, and the AI is only as good as the data which it's built on. Mm -hmm. So but if the data is fictitious, then you're going to have a fictitious AI model. Um, and the so our data sets have to be clean. Uh, we going in, and then we have to be able to have uh, to be able to validate that data. Uh, and uh, people are just not doing that, unfortunately. No, that that and, and using, you know, I, I thought the the most interesting part of it for me was using Chat GPT to return biased information based on political preference of the person controlling the AI, and that that was shocking when somebody went out and and asked Chat GPT something and returned back kind of a liberal view and data and excluded everything else from, you know, the conservative side. I thought that was pretty eye-opening. Like, we're to that point where we're starting to use AI to battle politics now, too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, in fact, we're going to absolutely have to account for it. Because, <clears throat> I, I, you know, I wish we could say that we're going to get rid of bias. Mm. We're not. No. We have to have that come to Jesus understanding that there's bad actors, there's biased data. Uh, and uh, the, the not all AI is good AI. Some AI is very good AI. Right. Uh, it, you, it's it's almost like a person that um, when they go to the grocery store, if they're not looking at the label, they don't care what it is that they're eating. Right. Then they're going to you know turn into the way they turn into. Right. They don't care about what's going in. Same with your data. If you have to care about what's going in your data uh, and be able to always say, yes, that is in fact the data. Uh, so like crypto, I think that that's gonna be here to stay. Even with quantum, we'll just have a different form of crypto. Right. So what do you think about the, the centralized digital currency system that there's kind of chatter about from the, from the Federal Reserve and US government? Everything, well, every government wants their money. Right. So at some point in time, um, they're going to win. They're going to get their money. It's going to happen. Right. Uh, I would prefer that we hold off on it as much as possible. But you're talking about technology and it's bias, or the community data and bias, mm -hmm. and the left leaning. Unfortunately, if you look through anything that's technology and even management's a form of technology. Mm -hmm. Advancements are always left-leaning. 
Right, right. If they weren't, they would be conservative, hence right-leaning. So we have to understand that there's going to be some bias uh, and having a way to... Well, we can't become reliant on AI. That's first and foremost. If people start saying, oh, I'm just, I would let ChatGTP do that. Well, okay, they're a cupcake. Uh, did you read the ingredients? Right. Right. Yeah, and ChatGPT, like, I've seen people use it for, for papers and, and writing legal letters to, you know, let's say someone they're suing or, or writing legal documentation. It's really good at writing documentation based on other templates and past past uh, forms or whatever. Um, but I'm still not sold on on the idea of chat GPT yet. I still think it's kind of like a, a trend and kind of, you know, a fad for right now. But I, I feel like it has the capability of really making some advances if it's handled correctly. But if it's if it has the history of, of any other technology, it's probably not going to be handled correctly the first time. And later we'll get a second iteration of something better. Um, but I think right now it's just kind of like everybody's kind of scratching their heads going, exactly what do we do with this and, and how do we control this? And I think that's it's a good exercise for for the U.S. and, and you know, for industry. I would say Pandora is out of the box. Controlling it, that's going to be very difficult. It's going to be a fight. Oh, absolutely. And I know if somebody wanted to control my my A.I., we're going to be duking it out yeah, because my AI is going to be built based on my morals, principles, values. Uh, and uh, I'm going to have, you know, scientific proof, but even uh, scientific proof is uh, in itself a cult. <laughs> so <laughs> what cult are you going to belong to that your AI is going to in, uh, to socialize with. That, that that brings up a really good point too, believing science, right? So I think during the pandemic, the believe the science, uh, the mantra has, has suffered a, a few uh, damaging blows. <laughs> um, so I think that, you know, selling people on science now, like I'm the type of person, I, I love science and that's always been one of my, my things in school with science. Um, but I'm one of those people that I'll believe it, but I also want to toy with it. I want to see it work, right? I, I want to see experiment blow up if it doesn't work. Um, but there are people out there, like you said, who, who, you know, won't understand the science and will just believe whatever is fed to them. And I think that's where the real issue with, with AI comes into play is people with, you know, not the capability of being able to understand it, trying to manipulate it. And I think that's, that's dangerous within itself. Yeah, it's way dangerous. Um, because we're, unfortunately our next election it's going to be greatly influenced on AI. It'll be a powder keg too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, with with everything going on now with with the Russian war and and you know Trump being indicted and just the craziness and the the environment being so unstable, I think the uh, the the twenty twenty four election is going to be a powder keg. It's going to be chaos. And they're not going to get any better. No. There's, you know, yeah, there, there it's, it's actually kind of one reason why I have my farm where I have my farm 
and why I'm farming. Right. Because I, I have two mountain ranges between me and that powder keg. Right. <laughs> and we both know that there are people that are have their sights uh, on that white building. Yeah, for sure. For so sure. Yeah. The, the, it's not that I believe that the end of the world is, is here or coming. Although I am, dude, did I tell you about my coffin? No, no. Oh, we, so it's not quite done yet, but uh, I am going to be the first mass producer of 100% sustainable, biodegradable, organic coffins. I want one. Thank you very much. My most expensive one will be $1,500. That's it? That's it. Wow. And uh, also, so we're in a whole bunch of farmers markets down in D.C., mm-hmm. uh, as well as uh, in Maryland. Tyson's Corner. Well, so we're in the Upper Central. Nice. So I'm going to make coffins for dogs and cats. Oh, nice. Uh, and I'm going to sell them for like $200 for cat size, $300 for a big dog size. And I'll sell those all darn day long in Yuppieville. Very so, cool. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, and it's all made out of hemp and mycelium. That's it. Nice. And so we have, uh, mine is growing right now. Mm-hmm. And it's not quite done. Right around the edge of the lip, uh, It we didn't quite do it right, but it grew throughout the mold. Perfect. Uh, and then uh, the lid, the lid didn't quite come out perfect. Wow. So because it's living material, we just tore it all up, repacked it all in, and uh, it'll be ready in a couple of days. That's awesome. So we're, we're going to be able to, once we get our oven in, so I got, I got to put uh, electric in to, to get an oven in uh, and just so much other stuff. But uh, the we are making uh, alternatives to bricks, concrete, insulation and coffins, all using the exact same process as growing mushrooms. Another reason why we need more mushroom growers because we can't afford to keep making uh, plastic for the boxes that we ship things right. in, right? right. Uh, it's just, we're destroying the land by doing that. Plus it's toxic. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we can, grow these uh grow anything in, into a particular mold any shape size or form uh in like five days and then we take it to the oven we cook it at 180 degrees for three hours and it's done so if i made you a mold of a skull you'll be able to grow the mycelium through that mold and create me a mushroom skull in fact so i have a uh, a mold of a morel mushroom, but it's it's supposed to be for a wax candle. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stuff that mold with my living material, and I'm going to pop it out. It's going to look like a, uh, a mushroom, and it'll be made out of mycelium and hemp, or mycelium and hemp. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and so, I mean, I can make anything. As skull, it, anything that I make a mold for, the, and that I can put an oven around it so i can make lean to ovens because we're talking about 180 degrees it's right it's not it's not 
Right. You can put uh, four pieces of uh, four by eight sheets together and throw two more sheets on top and call it done and stick a propane heater in there. I'll yep. get 180 degrees. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. So we need more people to grow alternatives. And there are so many more alternatives. Plus mushroom compost. Mm -hmm. One of the most beneficial composts for growing plants, growing anything, growing uh, beans, tomatoes, hemp, you name it. Uh, so we're actually going to grow hemp here this year. And I got a Mennonite family going to grow it for me. Wow, that's awesome. I, I, have, to, I have to make a trip up there. My, the company I work for is actually out of Pennsylvania. And I should actually make a trip up there and, and uh, check it out because it sounds really interesting. You were talking about coffins. I'll tell you what. Just this past week, I went to Las Vegas and went to Zach Baggins Haunted Museum. And when you say coffin, it reminded me of the, the whole museum. I don't know if you've heard about it or seen it, but if you get a chance, check it out. It has. So the, the room that really amazed me, they had items and artifacts from all the serial killers. They even had Ed Gein's uh, cauldron. Like it was it was super creepy, but it was kind of neat, too. And what was cool is. Talking about technology, so they had cameras, infrared cameras in all the rooms as you're going through the, the haunted museum. And so they've detected like little things. They have ghost hunting equipment throughout the whole museum, and it's all connected, right? So little things will happen in the museum, and they'll pick it up, and that becomes part of their footage that they archive or, or use in a show or whatever. Um, but it's really interesting. But Vegas in general, just seeing how connected we are now. And just that whole city, it just shocks me. Like if anything happened to that infrastructure, that backbone, think of the millions and billions that we would lose just in one city. Yeah, it just, it shocks me. Right. But the, the, you know, sustainable farming and stuff like that really, I, I think people don't understand how important it is. And, and the reason why I say that is when I look at, you know, pre 9-11 and, and pre what's going on right now with with you know the supply chain we looked at people who would stock up food and ammunition as preppers and those were the people that were oh they're crazy they're preparing for something that will never happen and then when the shit happened people were like hmm wait a minute maybe they had an idea there you know and it reminds me of the, that old uh that old story about the grasshopper and you know the the, the rabbit or whatever and they're you know trying to get stuff for winter but it's like the things that we thought were crazy then, you know, are actually acceptable now. And people are actually like, well, shit, you know, maybe I ought to look about life off the grid. Maybe I'll look about my own sustainable, you know, produce and, and raising my own crops and, and agriculture and livestock. Um, but I, I don't think they understand how close we are with world geopolitics and what's going on in um, Eastern Europe, how close we really are to having a situation where we're going to have to rely on stuff like that. Well, so funny you mentioned that. Peter Zahan it helps me understand the world. But with the war in Ukraine and Russia, 80% uh, of, I think it's 80%, or no less than 70%. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to say it was maybe not high as 85. Anyways, roughly 80% of the world's potash comes from Ukraine and Russia. Mm -hmm. Well, Russia already did. Uh, their best, and they destroyed the agricultural uh, industry there in Ukraine, and we sanctioned the hell out of Russia. So, guess where the world's not getting their potash from this year? Exactly. So, we're going to have a shortage, and that potash is used for it's the K, the NPK, phosphorus, 
uh, and for those that don't understand about chem chemical fertilizer, the uh, potash uh, comes from or gives us phosphorus for our chemical fertilizer, which kills the earth, ironically. Um, and <clears throat> actually, the Biden administration even realized that it's going to be an issue. They let, uh, like, a, I think it was a $5 billion uh, contract, or not contract, a grant last year for alternatives to chemical fertilizer. And we're going to have to go to a regional approach here in the U.S. because we're talking about some kind of like organic material. Now, my, uh, I'm going to be making um, compost extract. There's also, uh, so I have a liquid compost extract. Uh, now they have also compost tea, but I don't want anything to do with tea because one, it takes like days to make and it has a very short shelf life. Right. But liquid compost extract has, can live for months uh, as long as it doesn't freeze uh, or you don't bake it, get it too hot. And it, um, um, what else? So anyways, but then like, oh, and you can make it in hours, not days. So it's just way easier to make liquid compost. And then you can just spray that onto their fields using the exact same farm equipment that they're using already. Right. Uh, the nice part. Uh, and we, that's another reason why we need more mushroom farmers to make more liquid compost extract. And you'd be surprised how many people, like I, I know at least two people that are toying with the idea of uh, farming mushrooms. Two of my close friends, you know, one of them, I, I put you in contact with uh, my friend Corey. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's several people out there that I know personally, they're, they're looking towards that type of, of farming and, and producing for themselves. Uh, I didn't really think about things in that, that light to that, to that extent until, you know, I got sick with lupus and, and had to change my diet and everything. Um, I started really looking at what I was taking in and what, what foods actually caused inflammation and stuff like that. Cause what I went through late last year with lupus was crazy. I had pneumonia, then, then lupus kicked in and attacked my eyes. Um, I had all kinds of crazy stuff going on. So I got really serious about, you know, health and, and how do I bounce back and how do I get, you know, the things in my body that my body needs to fight that attack. Um, so I started looking at, you know, the different vitamins and minerals and, and the different types of foods and mushrooms were, were really interesting when I started researching that with lupus, because it does help with lupus because there is a neuro, I guess, side to, to lupus as well. Um, and suppose there's a certain type of mushroom, mushroom, I think it's lion's mane or, or something like that. That's supposed to help with that. Well, so a couple, in fact, I'm just uh, doing a quick search. As soon as you said that, I was like, well, yeah, let me see what it is. Cordyceps, I'm sure, is one of them. Cordyceps militaris. Mm -hmm. And they're the little tiny bitty things. They only get about yay big. And they're expensive, folks. Uh, I think we're talking about, we've got somebody who will buy every every single pound that we grow, they'll buy it. They just wow. straight up. You, do, you bring us a truck load, you bring us a forklift load, you bring us a, a container load, whatever, they'll take it. Uh, that's how the, the demand that's out there for uh, Cordyceps Militaris uh, because it, it helps with just so many things. In fact, uh, yeah, I'm seeing that uh, lupus is definitely one. Now, it, lupus, is that also like, um, oh, so you, yeah, you get inflammation as well. 
Right. So hockey is another one is really good for inflammation. So if you can take it, especially like a, a blend, outer yeah. blend, that's uh, the way I rec- uh, recommend. But uh, And then uh, with the memory part for lupus, lion's mane. So really now you're looking at three uh, mushrooms that are all really great for lupus. Uh, and I'm sure there's a couple others like chaga. Uh, it has so many different uh, antioxidants, uh, anti-inflammatory, um, and I, the, the health benefits in, in chaga, it's like one of those miracle drugs. You're like, no way, it does all that? Yeah, it kind of does all that. Right. Hard to get. I can't even get it. It's, I actually, I got enough, a friend of mine or a neighbor of mine gave me enough for my wife and I to last about maybe a year, but that's it. And, wow. you know, it's, it's not easy to get. Yeah. So you, it's, uh, you gotta know what you're looking for. And there are few, fewer and fewer mushroom hunters. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a mushroom farmer, not a hunter. I'm a farmer. I, I don't have time to be going around the Take it through bushes. <laughs> right. Uh, now I do hike those mountains back there, uh, mm-hmm. but that's because I want to go, you know, get a little exercise and enjoy and relax. Mushroom hunting, I don't really feel it's relaxing because I'm always looking down, I'm always focused. Right. So I, I want to go out and not think. Yeah, one thing I learned about, uh, you know, focusing on your body and, and doing the right thing for your body is it's a lot more expensive than what I thought. Um, when you look in it, there's a science to it. There really is. So, so different vitamins and, and different, you know, uh, supplements interact with certain things in certain ways. And I had to like really sit down and like go over this stuff because they put me on, you know, injectable testosterone and I'm taking all these other supplements, but I'll tell you what, you know, I'll be turning 50 this year and I feel like I'm 20, um, just from the treatments I'm on. And it's, it's amazing. Like my body's completely changed over like a two month period. It's insane. Um, but it's expensive. It's not free. And, you know, I always wondered, you know, how those people stay that young and, and you know i look at these movie stars and how they look so young well, simple simple answer is it's expensive <laughs> <laughs> for sure <laughs> yeah that's actually why we started mushroom farming right. my wife she was taking lion's mane to recover from her stroke mm-hmm. and it helped tremendously um it, even, it helped my brain fog i haven't had brain fog in years um, but, uh, when she started seeing how much we were paying for lion's mane in capsules, uh, then she's like, well, I'll just buy in bulk uh, and then I'll put it in capsules, making capsules and painting them. But, and you can only find like hundred uh, at a time capsule makers. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm not sure where they get the mass produced ones, but, uh, the, so because of the cost, my wife started growing on her own uh, and we grew in our garage we put together two uh, or not two we put together a whole bunch of pallets so it was only as tall as one pallet high but it was like three pallets wide one pallet deep uh, and the, along a concrete floor and that was our first mushroom farm and we just kind of expanded out into our garage from there uh, m- many mushroom farms are started in the garage and I encourage folks to do it because there's a lot of farmers markets around. Oh yeah, tons. And 
you can get uh, you can. There's always farmers markets looking for a mushroom vendor somewhere. You can that, even buy kits. You can buy kits on Amazon for for okay. mushrooms. Correct, or you can buy them from me. Please, uh, setthosemushrooms.com. You have kits? Uh, that oh yeah, we sell grow kits. I'll, so, I'll be wearing one. Nice, very nice. I, th I figured I'd throw that plug out there since uh, we were on this, on it. But uh, the where were we going? Oh, um, oh shoot! Now I forgot we were good. Where were we going on it? It was just talking about how good it was for the memory too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that that's a different thing. Brain fog and forgetfulness, uh, two different things. Brain fog is about how quickly you can move, your mind moves and shifts gears and so on. Mm -hmm. When your brain just locks up, that is that's not the that's a neural pathway that got severed somehow. Um, so which one would Biden fall into? Sort of both, right? <laughs> I had to throw that out there. I'm surprised. It, well, yeah, we're living longer. Biden's proof we're living longer. Uh, Biden has proof that Adderall and amphetamines and testosterone works because that, I'm pretty sure that's the only way they keep him in the condition he's in to make a speech and leave the podium. Adderall must be a great thing for him. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I imagine it probably is. Yeah. I mean, it, it all boils down to if you have the money and the access, you probably could live forever. I mean, with, with the breakthroughs that we're having, if you've got the right amount of money and, you know, you look at some of the, like the cryogenic uh, therapy, you know, even uh, hormone replacement therapy, stuff is not cheap. But if you have the money, think of the health at 50 years old, I would have never thought that I would be in this condition at 50. I wasn't in this condition when I was 25, but with money and a little bit of, you know, access and, you know, who, who knows how long people can live and what condition they can be in. Absolutely. And, and what we were talking about that I had forgetfulness, it was uh, us starting our farm because of money and so on. And, but, and, by doing that, by growing our own, we had that access, but money is absolutely going to be needed, especially mm -hmm. two things. And there's two things I keep telling people. It's what's going to make, we're on this glide slope for longevity. And literally mm -hmm. we're like this right now. And we're about to go like this. And when we go like this, it's going to be because of two things, nanobots and 3d printers. That's it, folks. That's all yep. we need. And we are going to live so flipping long. Yeah. So that's another reason why we also need to have AI and ethical parameters and so on. But then again, who's ethics and. Yeah. <laughs> who's AI? You know, but we're, we've already seen like pieces of that already. Right. So there's a, a pill that has a camera embedded that, that you can take that will give you pretty much a, a colonoscopy. Just that camera. Yeah. Once you swallow right. it, and then, yeah, like some of those, some of those breakthroughs are here already and I, you know, they've, they've 3d printed organs. So it's just, it's, it's just a matter of time and money. I think with the right money, the right person with the right money comes along, all that shit's going to change. I think it would go through. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and like what Mark Cuban is doing for, uh, for pharmacy, mm -hmm. uh, and, it's not going to be long till we're able to print our pharmacy at home. 
Well, I, I sure hope so. And this is why is because 90% of the medication that we get comes from China. <laughs> which, so, and I, which is why I don't take, uh, I, my medicine is food and food is medicine. Right. Yep. And I mean, I was listening to uh, the Rogan podcast and they were talking about MDMA and microdosing treatments and how that's you know going to be accepted here shortly. But the problem again is who are the major manufacturers for MDMA? It's China. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> this is why I tell people it's so important to, to keep your pulse on geopolitics because so many things can change just from one news alert on, you know, a, a TV station. So many things can change. So for all you kids out there that want to make some uh, Molly, just make sure you, you get you got a good business case because it's going to go away in China. Get your right stamps. <laughs> right. So well, we're about the end of the hour, Max. I, I really appreciate you uh, coming back on the show and help me kick off uh, this, this re, I guess, revision of uh, the podcast. Um, before I just, you know, I, I got to a point where, I had to ask myself, you know, do people really listen and why are they listening and why am I doing this? Um, so I took some time off to, to really like recuperate and, and see what was important to me. And uh, I realized that it wasn't what people thought about the podcast or if they even listened to it. To me, this is more for me, you know, being able to talk to, you know, my friends like you. Um, but it's good to be back. And, and it was really good to be able to kick it off with you. I appreciate it, Max. Uh, I appreciate you, Mike, and everything you do. Um, because of people like you, we're getting the word out, uh, as well as many others. But it's something that we need to be fully aware and cognizant of. And uh, this, I hate to call it a woke generation, but people are going to continue to ha have uh, their eyes open um, because the world's going to change and it's going to change very, very overnight. Yep. I do appreciate it. One more time. What's the website where people can uh, go check out your stuff and, and order products and stuff? Sure. Setasmushrooms.com. S-E-T-A-S mushrooms.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Max. Until next time, I'll see you. Take care of yourself and uh, tell the wife I said hello. I will, man. Cheers. Cheers.